0: Tis the season. Minnesota is is under a wicked snowstorm right now.
1: Who is? You are? Mm Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, I want to be there.
0: Eight to 14 inches.
1: (gasps) You're kidding. Oh, my gosh. I would be in heaven. We have to... Today's temperature high was I didn't go outside at the at this point, but it's supposed to be 71 here.
0: Yikes. That is so crazy.
1: I know. And then this time, this exact time last week, we were at five degrees. And snowing. Uh-huh. And snow. Because <laughs> I live in Crazy Land.
0: Crazy land.
1: Crazy land.
0: That's hilarious. <sighs> so what are we talking about?
1: We are doing part two of fear. And, you know, we discussed in the first part how most people are afraid of something. And when you and I talk about fear, we're really speaking about that which holds us back and holds us back from fully living the life that we're given. And it always, it amazes me when I talk to people and I hear them tell stories about why they can't do something that they want to do. And it's always I mean, I can't think of any instances where it wasn't fueled by fear. And we all have them. We all have something that holds us in place, you know, and then we have to either have a catalyst in our lives that shove us past the fear or a person that kicks our ass across through the fear, you know, and fears just it's a big, big, big topic. Let's
0: let's pause. Let's (laughs) let's let's play this role. Okay. okay. So what do you think your number one fear is? And who is your number one push you through it?
1: One that I've already been pushed through?
0: Well, or, or one, one that I'm
1: going through right now? Sure. Okay. Well, and you okay. can try
0: and keep it generic. You don't have to, you well, don't want to go down your life story. You know,
1: I'm, I write and all writers have um, stress and fear and anxiety because we all feel like that we're frauds and we're imposters. So I had spent about 10 years writing my book badass and bendy about breast cancer and it would still be sitting in my yoga files if my friend sandy hadn't read it and said girl you have got to get this out into the world and i told edward and he kicked my butt across the line with that one now right now i'm working on body image and again i'm running through the oh no You know, who would want to listen to me and my thoughts on body image? I'm still doing that, that typical thing like that. So far, Edward's tried to kick me, but I've just turned around and said, no. So I don't know who's going to kick my ass across on that one.
0: (laughs) Sometimes we do fight back.
1: Mm -hmm. So what about you?
0: I mean, I think I've worked my way through most We'll say business and like life fear. I think my bigger fears now are my kids' safety. Like, Mm -hmm. I I feel like I don't sleep at night if I'm worrying about whether or not I knew they were going to be out late or if I knew my child was going to be driving to a different state in a snowstorm. Like, I feel like I have. You know, I know my kids are good drivers and I know my kids will take time and they will slow down, but they're still always this big, like I just don't (laughs) want to think about it, fear, right? Yeah. And I think maybe because, I don't know, I feel like the last few months there's been way too many deaths, way too near, and so I just feel like that weighs a little bit on
1: me. Yeah. Well, it brings that mortality for all of us in closer, especially when you have uh, deaths of people that are close to you, you know, because we all know from the moment we're born that we're going to die. We're working mm. on that path every day, yeah. But we don't want to think about that. Well, you know? and we
0: don't want we don't want premature death. We don't want you know unexpected death. We don't want messy death. You know, mm-hmm. death is supposed to be you. Know, I'm a healthy eighty to ninety years old, and I go to sleep one night, and I just Comfortably don't wake up. Like that's perfect, right? That's perfect death. And (laughs) anything else is less than perfect and not desirable. So, Mm
1: -hmm. well, I read an article in the New York Observer that claims that fear is our new normal. And I didn't like that one bit. I know fear can influence many of the choices we make in our life, but I don't want fear to be the driver in my life. And, you know, I'm obsessed with the book. By Elizabeth Gilbert, Big Magic, and I've been obsessed with it for years since it first came out. I think I got one of the first copies, but um, it she talks a lot about allowing fear to be the driver in your life, and that you should take fear and stick fear's butt in the back seat and say, you can go along for the ride because I recognize you're going to anyway, but you don't get to make choices. You don't get to turn on the radio. You don't get to tell me which direction to go. You can just sit there and be there, but you don't get to have a vote. And I think that um, that's something that always, I I guess that helps me recognize when I'm letting fear drive any of the paths of my life. Um, Because I, any of the activities or projects or relationships that are based on fear, there's never really good outcomes that come from those.
0: No, it's true. I'm I'm torn. Like, do I want to go into the psychology of fear right now? Or do I want to run straight from the fear, get in the back seat? into the sacred texts, because I feel like all of the sacred texts also tell us that fear doesn't have any business in our decisions either. Right. (laughs) And, you know, I I spent a little bit of time doing this because, you know, I'm kind of nerdy like this. And I I decided that I was going to take it through the standpoint of the Bible the Mm -hmm. Christian view on fear, then take it through the Bhavagai Gita, which would be the, the Hindu or the karmic view on fear. And then also Buddha's teaching on fear. And so I think it's interesting because all three of them have lots and lots to say about fear. So I took like maybe five or six quotes from each. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it, it aligns well because in Big Magic, she's talking quite plainly about, I recognize that I can't eliminate you, mm-hmm. but I can, I can say that you're not valid. Mm-hmm. And I can, I can set you aside and recognize that I have lots of other tools. I have lots of other belief systems and mechanisms that I can apply and use. So that fear doesn't have to take over, right? Mm -hmm. So we'll run through the Bhavagaya Gita first. In the book, these are just straight up quotes from the Bhavagaya Gita. So now how does the mind get purified? By giving up attachment, fear, and anger and absorbing the mind in God. Reference, that's a tool. Right. Actually, attachments is the cause of both fear and anger. And we know this. I just brought this up. Me being attached to not losing my children. That's an attachment, right? Mm -hmm. Fear arises out of apprehension that the object of our attachment will be snatched away from us quite literally what I was just saying. And then anger arises when there is an obstruction in obtaining the object of our attachment. And ironically, fear and anger are two sides of the same coin, Hmm. right? Mm -hmm. They literally are two sides of the same coin. But then also in the Bhavagai Gita, it tells us that fearlessness is the first characteristic of godliness How cool. Okay. But now say that you go into the Bible, which we know there's a gajillion verses in the Bible, Psalms, uh, the whole nine yards. And I did not, I did not give credit to each location. I just am throwing at you quotes. Right. One B, do not be afraid for the Lord your God goes with you. Or though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Or in God, I trust I will not be afraid the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Fear not. I am the one who helps you. You shall not fear them for it is the Lord, your God who fights them or be strong. Fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. Like it's throughout from front to back fear. You can look up fear and there's like 162 references in the Bible Mm -hmm. to fear. Right. And then you go on the flip To Buddha's teaching and Buddha's teaching the difference between unskilled fear and skillful fear, which is like what we were talking about in the podcast previously, where we were talking about logical fear and illogical fear, right? And then he goes into a parable, Buddha goes into a parable about the fierce warrior and says, Don't you know who I am? Don't you know that I am the sort of person who could run you through with my sword without batting an eye. And the Zen master responds to said warrior. And I, sir, am the sort of man who could be run through with a sword without batting an eye. Wow. Right? Yeah. Buddha teaches the very act of dealing with fear is attaining fearlessness. So most of the time we spend so much time trying to remove fear as opposed to grabbing the opposite, which is a lot of what we teach in yoga is not spending so much time focusing on stamping down what we have, but instead reaching for the opposite, Mm -hmm. right? Working through it and sitting with it is keys to moving past it energetically, mentally, physically, spiritually right we think about even in our mantras you have done the mantra exercise with me where i take you down through all the negative things and then i show you how to create the mantra that's opposite of it instead Mm -hmm. of trying to squelch what it is literally reaching for the the direct opposite in this case fearlessness versus fear Mm -hmm. so cool very cool so cool
1: Well, there's a few things to consider if you are wondering how much of an influence fear has in your life. Now, I've got seven things for you to consider. Um, One is judgment. Do you worry so much about being judged? If you do, then that may tell you that fear has an influence in your life. What about change? Fear of change. A lot of people fear change in any way, shape or form. And I don't know, you and I we don't seem to fear change. No, I bringing it all. On. <laughs> I know we just kind of relish it, you know, but rejection, fear of rejection. I think most people, if they were truly honest, really do fear rejection. Fear fear of failure. You know, I have a healthy fear of failure. I have a uh, big fear of failure. Yeah. And then we get our little perfectionist qualities and tendencies going on that. Um, Uncertainty. I don't like uncertainty one bit. I like every. I like to know everything that's coming. Uh, (laughs) This is why
0: we have such an obsession with planners.
1: (laughs) I know. (laughs) Two episodes, baby. (laughs) Um, Fear of not being enough. And then another thing to consider, and this one, people talk about it, but they don't really think about it. And this is the last one. Are you a glass half empty or a glass half full person? Uh, if we're a fearful person, we're generally leaning into the negative in almost all situations. So like if you were considering writing a novel on body image, you might say, <laughs> but you're being held back because you feel like everyone else already had the same idea or did it better. Have you stifled your desire to put yourself out in public as the speaker, but you're afraid and you're afraid because no one want to hear your words instead of seeing yourself as that glass half empty. You can look at the glass half full, like, okay, I'm going to write this book on body image. And you know what? There's a lot of them out there, but no one has my experience. No one can say it the way I do and see it that way. And putting yourself out as a speaker, you know, there's a lot of speakers out there, but you know what? None of them can do it the way I do it. So it's a lot of times you can really boil down how much of an influence fear has in your life, just based Literally on if you're a glass half empty or a glass half full person, that's hard to say.
0: I was going (laughs) to (laughs) say. I love it though. And I'm keeping it in there. (laughs) Yeah. But I think it's perfect because I think the way you just described that was like literally like pointing an arrow at you. Mm -hmm. Get off your butt and write your book on body image and pointing an arrow at me that says, Tanya, that note in your book that you keep moving from page to page about how I need to write my speech for the yoga conference. Like yeah, yeah, right, yeah.
1: You right. are welcome, girlfriend. <laughs> I'm like yeah, I heard you,
0: cat. Thank you very yeah. much. <laughs> yeah. If we move into the psychology of fear, which kind of comes right out of what you're talking about, is you know r- reminding our listeners what we were talking about last episode about that sort of primitive need for fear, but the healthy kind of fear, right? That natural intelligence that tells us, hey, this is safe versus this isn't safe. That's not what we're referring to here. Like Kat and I want everybody to know that there is healthy fear that is necessary. But what we're referring to is sort of the fear that keeps us from living our life to its fullest. But then when we get into the psychology of fear, and I think it's really cool because it ties really heavily to the Buddha's brain and the darts that you know come at us we get the first dart and then we take that dart and we let it fester and bring on more darts right Mm -hmm. like that's that's what we do but it's because of that biochemical response that happens in the body we get that first dart and it automatically sends a trigger through the hormones that alerts us to the danger and the harm that's around us But then it's our job to pause, take a breath, and then decide for ourselves, is this the kind of fear that I need to run from? Or is this the kind of fear that I need to work through and address and manage and apply my tools so that I can get past it and then, you know, get to the other side of it, which could be something very glorious on the other side, Mm -hmm. right? But Within that is panic disorders, social anxiety disorders, phobias, PTSD, and all of these are real diagnoses. And if these are things that you're dealing with, you know, please get some assistance, find some help so that you can start to get and gather those tools that you can use and apply so that you can begin to manage these you know, larger disorders, right? And then within that is, you know, when you get that help, now we have the possibility, especially if they're, you know, diagnoses that are truly debilitating, they're keeping you from a healthy work environment, they're keeping you from a healthy home environment or healthy relationships that we can, if you're under safe guidance, work through treatments like sys. Cyst- systematic desensitization or even to the point of flooding and I'm not saying that you need to like, I don't know what the show was, but jump in a box of bees to get over your bee fear mm-hmm. because that maybe is illogical too. <laughs> but there is, you know- Yeah, there don't is,
1: do that. Don't do that.
0: There are means of desensitizing safely. I'm not saying the extreme, right? Like that's not how we do it, but managing it and finding somebody who's going to be willing to help you through it, right? Mm-hmm. And also really, truly begin. Beginning to recognize like sitting with the fear but beginning to recognize what the triggers are for you so that you know before it happens okay this might cause me fear or anxiety like I know that I'm about to approach this event and I've had trouble at this set event before I know that these dates are coming up it's maybe the anniversary of someone's death or you know it is its The event, the anniversary of a divorce, the anniversary of a trauma, the anniversary of an abuse, an attack, an accident. Like, right? Like dates can be triggers. Objects, specifically bees, snakes, spiders, these can also be triggers. Environmental dangers. Right? Driving, flying, travel. And then, obviously, like what you were talking about, uncertainty. Mm -hmm. If these are things that cause you fear, figuring out how to avoid them, like, or to skirt them, or to, you know, combat them before they come at you as a trigger. Like, okay, I know that this event is going to be a trigger for me. So, would you please join me? at this event and help steer me through this, like find that person who's going to help be your guidepost so that you don't get lost within it. Right.
1: Mm -hmm. Great tool, great help. And we all have those people that we know we can turn to that can help us get through those.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Some other tools that we can use uh, to help us deal with fear. Of course, the obvious choice is meditation. And really, there's no specific kind, in my opinion, of meditation. It's just really what works best with you. Because when we meditate, we kind of, we move deeper inward um, past those levels of our conscious mind and all of that monkey chatter that we have in our mind. It helps us become more aware of the struggles that we're dealing with when we sit in meditation. And meditation can help us recognize. Recognize the challenges, it may even give you ways to deal with them. When you sit in meditation, a lot of times you work out a lot of your own stuff, even though we're not actually working on stuff in meditation all the time, but you can. And sometimes when fear comes up, you can deal with that in your meditation practice as well and see where it comes from. Is, does it come from your thoughts? Does it come from memories? Does it come from emotional? energy that you can set in meditation and find ways to lessen your fear. Do you have any kind of a suggestion on meditation or do you agree just whatever works best for the person?
0: Uh, To be honest, the most success I've ever had working with fear in meditation is through mantra work, Mm -hmm. really to sit down with and determine what are the things that are causing you the anxiety, the fear, and then figuring out how to create a mantra around that so that the mantra can become your go-to when you are triggered.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. We ought to do a whole podcast on that.
0: We should.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. On another tool that... I know that it'll shock all of our listeners that I'm bringing up is journaling. For me, journaling helps you get fear on paper. And that process takes some of the power away from the fear. When I see my fears in writing, it gives me the opportunity to decide how valid they are. I, there's something about that. And I have been known to write down my fears wad them up on a piece of paper throw them in the fire or throw or shred I don't usually shred them I usually throw them in the fire
0: or even just writing them down and then looking at them and going okay that's so dense why did I (laughs) why am I even afraid of that now that I've written it and I see it there it just doesn't make any logical sense it takes the power yeah Yeah, takes the takes the power
1: some other tools you can use breath work just even just a Durga breath, just that essential breath is helpful. But I also think that bumblebee breath is great for dealing with it. It's, it focuses, it helps a lot with anxiety, but anxiety and fear are like best friends. And they hold hands. And
0: maybe it will help you not be afraid of bees.
1: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Um, And of course, you know, another obvious besides meditation, yoga can help with fear. Yoga helps you get more in tune with yourself. Um, I would have to say that I would encourage people people to try yoga nidra as well to help with fear and then tanya has mentioned a couple of times in the podcast and both the previous podcasts in this one about the rabbit hole and one thing and i just made this note I think if you could talk yourself through the rabbit hole and you might even use that as a journaling exercise, I think that would be very powerful for you to see it on paper and then you can decide to own it, you know, but write down every single horrible thing that could happen and then look at it and go, huh, no. (laughs) It's so,
0: it's funny how so unreasonable the thought process is Mm -hmm. and yet you can look at it then and be like, how did I even go that far? Like,
1: mm-hmm. how, am,
0: how am I even allowing my mind to do that?
1: Yeah. Well, we both have a few books we wanted to mention. Mm-hmm. So, you want to go first?
0: Sure. So, um, One or two of these I may have mentioned on a previous podcast for other reasons, but uh, one of them is Lean In by Sheryl Sandberg. Another one of them is Comfortable with Uncertainty, which is Pema Chodron. And another one of them is Energy Speaks by Lee Harris. Hmm.
1: Huh. I don't know that one. I'll have to look. I'll have to jot that down and put it on my list.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: Okay. I've got... Um, a couple that I'll mention. Daring Greatly by Brene Brown. And I know we've talked about some of Brene Brown's books before, but Daring Greatly is how the courage, uh, how the courage to be vulnerable transforms the way we live, love, parent, and lead. And a lot of times daring to be vulnerable helps us overcome those fears. And this one is in my shopping cart, but I have not read this one yet. The Confidence Gap, A Guide to Overcoming Fear and Self-Doubt by Russ Harris. And that one, I keep looking at wanting to read it and I haven't yet. But so if anyone wants to read that with me, tag us on this podcast and we will have our own little book club club on that one. And then, of course, the one I mention all the time, Big Magic. I mean, Elizabeth Gilbert needs to give me give me some royalties or give (laughs) me a little (laughs) some kind of commission, a little kickback (laughs) for tooting her book. But this book, is the one that really set me on the path to truly looking at my fears. And I have so many dog eared pages on this. I almost suggested that I read her little section where she's talking about how we all have fears. But I was like, no, no, no. I'll just let people buy it and read it themselves. But that book really brings it home to you, for you. And it's yeah. funny.
0: And it's funny. It's a good book. Mm hmm. I love it.
1: So be fearless. And you know what? If you would like, I will give you a young Pueblo poem to close with. Perfect. Real courage is listening to your intuition, even when society and people in your life advise against it. A lot of advice comes from fear. People wishing you to stay with the herd and do the normal thing. Making a calculated risk is not recklessness. It's fearlessness. The opposite of fear. I know. There you go. Da, da, da. <laughs> Perfect. I'm Kat Khan. And I
0: am Tanya Rice. And this is Two Pittas on a Pod signing
1: off. Thank you for listening to Two Pittas on a Pod. We're grateful you joined us. Join us again for more musings of a couple of yogis.
0: We hope you learned, laughed, and enjoyed this podcast. And we hope you will share your comments or questions.
1: Email us at pod at gmail.com.
0: And like us on Facebook and Instagram at Two Pittas on a Pod.